that's not the life I want. Like, I want to, like, make a living playing women's hockey at the highest level. Welcome to the Just Women Sports Podcast, where we talk to the biggest athletes in the world about the untold stories behind their success. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and my guest today is Hillary Knight. Hillary is one of the most decorated hockey players of all time. A two-time national champion at the University of Wisconsin, Hillary has won eight world championships with the U.S. national team, as well as an Olympic gold medal in the 2018 Games. Off the ice, Hillary is a vocal advocate for women's hockey, and in 2019, she helped found the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, which continues to push for change in the sport. Hillary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Just to start at the beginning... How did you first get into ice hockey? I read you wanted to be an Olympic hockey player since you were five. But then I like went and did some research and saw that women's hockey wasn't going to be until 98. Is that correct? So you're five. Women's Olympic hockey isn't even a thing. How does that come about? Yeah, I I think it's kind of crazy looking back. So I'm like, wait, what? Like, where did I get that idea from? But, you know, I think just seeing like the guys on TV and watching the NHL and that was how I viewed hockey. And that was like the ultimate level and also seeing them in the Olympics. And obviously that the 1980 I wasn't around for, but hearing about it and how instrumental and pivotal it was for the sport and also for the world, it just felt like the Olympics were sort of that pinnacle. But I got into hockey sort of in a backwards way, we moved from California to Illinois and I come from a ski family and everyone skis, like everyone. I was on skis when I was like two years old and my mom kind of looked around and was like, what do I do with my kids? There aren't any mountains here. Once you got (laughs) to Illinois. Yeah. So she's like huge, active sports enthusiast, loves playing tennis, paddle tennis, you name it. She'll go out and do it. And she actually met another woman who played hockey and her husband was a coach and all of her kids played. And she suggested to my mom that she get all of us children out on skates and learn that summer so we could play in the upcoming winter. So so did you start chance. on rollerblades? <laughs> nope. You just get out there. They just kind of throw you out on the ice and you kind of do the Bambi thing, trying to get your feet underneath you. And, you know, slowly you, you learn. And I remember getting out there and if you could skate, to the far boards and come back, you'd earn these little buttons. And so the buttons were the big indicator of how good a skater you were. So I always wanted to accumulate all the buttons. And then as many buttons as possible. Yeah. And then sure enough, you're kind of hanging around the rink and you see the older kids coming with all the gear and you're like, what's that? Like, I want to do that. So that's kind of how hockey sort of evolved for me. And it's funny because my parents had to learn all the rules as we went along. (laughs) Yeah. So your parents knew nothing about hockey? Nothing, nothing. It was just like a geographical situation where this was an option and I'm going to get my kids into it. Yep. No, it's it's wild. I think uh, for my dad's job, they're like, where do you want to go? London, some other Canadian city or Chicago. And he's like, London. And they're like, perfect. You're going to Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually how things work in life. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. My only experience with hockey as a young child is my cousins lived in Maryland and so they played hockey and we were at an ice skating rink. It was the first time I was on skates, I'm pretty sure. They were all doing hockey stops, like, you know, the cool yep. thing that you guys do. And It's like impossible to do. Yeah, it, no, yeah. So I'm yeah. probably like eight or nine, maybe 10. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I do a hockey stop. I don't obviously execute it properly and I end up, stopping myself with my head against ice and I wake up in like my uncle's arms and I that was my first concussion so that's that's my only entry into the hockey world so welcome Welcome. yeah that's that's a that's a big bang entrance yeah I probably should have been wearing a helmet that's like mighty duck style no totally I think I was like stoked on mighty ducks and thought that I could do it because I could skate as a little kid but it's it's not the same thing yeah at all. Yeah. Let's balance on little knives and call it a sport. Exactly. Exactly. So was hockey like it for you or did you do a bunch of different sports growing up? Yeah. I think my mom called me like the one sport wonder. Like I would pick up one sport and then drop it. And then this next sport was like my sport and I was, you know, all into it, but I tried everything. 
you know, I even tried to play soccer. Did you? <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I loved it. I loved competing and stuff. And then I sort of got bummed out because I didn't know how to juggle and, and do all that other stuff. And it's tough because now you have to kind of choose what you want to do with all the, you know, the travel and everything. Totally. At what age were you like, okay, this is hockey's it. I'm, I'm going to drop away from any of the other sports. Yeah, I think, you know, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to go to boarding school or not, to be honest. And I had the, to make that um, decision like geographically if I wanted to come out here to Sun Valley or somewhere in Colorado or even Utah or if I wanted to go out east. Mm-hmm. So is that a thing in hockey? You go to a boarding school because that's the best option in terms of competition and development and that sort of thing? Yeah, for me at the time it was just because um, girls hockey didn't have the same opportunities it has nowadays. Um, So in order to get recruited to college, a lot of it was heavily East Coast. And then there's one school in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was kind of one of these decisions where I wanted to go for the school part, but also on the sports end, it would offer me better opportunities to achieve my dreams and really push myself as a person and develop me. That's sweet. So why did you choose, I can't pronounce your, your boarding school's name. Choate Rosemary Hall. Choate, okay. Choate <laughs> Rosemary Hall. Why did you choose that one? What brought you there? Yeah. It's just the feeling I got on campus and boarding schools are crazy. You just, did you go like visit all of them? Like, is there a yeah. recruiting process? Like how does yeah, that work? It's kind of like small colleges. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my mom and I, after one of our tournaments out East kind of just stayed a few extra days to do the whole boarding school or the prep school um, tour. And Choate was not number one on my list. And I went there for four years and <laughs> Wow. So freshman through yeah. senior year. Yeah. And that's before like, you know, you think about like cell phones and how connected we are and you weren't allowed to have cell phones. And so I was hiding in the stairwell calling her be like, mom, can you come pick me up? And just like absolutely homesick for the first month. And then after that, I just didn't really call home again because I just got so involved with sports and everything going on there. Yeah, for sure. To back up a little bit before you went to boarding school, you played in boys leagues? Were there women's leagues like or girls leagues where you were living? How'd that look? Let's see. I don't think I played girls hockey until I was like 11 or 12 years old, just because it wasn't really a thing. And when you say that, you mean you weren't playing like in a league or you were playing in a boys league? Our girls team was playing a boys league. Got it. They okay. did have a league at the time, but for whatever reason, that team got kicked out of the league and it was just this whole thing. So we ended up playing boys, okay. uh, which is really cool because the looks on their faces when an all girls team beats a boys team is, you know, you don't forget that. Yeah. Yeah. As you probably know. Yeah. But I'm just so grateful that next generation coming up now has more opportunities for all girls play and, and girls leagues. I used to take the train in from the suburbs of Chicago into the city alone with my backpack and my hockey bag. And then one of the parents would pick me up there and take me to the rink. So you were very independent from an early age. Yeah. My parents gave me a cell phone. We're like, here you go. Which I don't think you can do nowadays. You can't just like throw your child on a train into the city. (laughs) I mean, you could, but I feel like a lot of parents probably wouldn't. Yeah. And then figuring out how to get, you know, from the train station to the rink. And it's in downtown Chicago. So So you're like, how old? 12, 10? How old are you doing that? Wow. Yeah. Like, like 11 or 12. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 13. Did you say what age you think you just focused on hockey? I think like around 12 or 13, I started to get more serious about it because I really liked skiing. I liked downhill and going fast. And yeah, but there's something about hockey that's just so dynamic and the team aspect to it. It's just so special. Yeah. I was curious if that was part of it. Cause like for me, I did a lot of individual sports growing up as well, but I obviously ended up playing soccer because of the team aspect, which I loved and obviously still do. Do you ever like look back and be like, I could never be an individual sport athlete after having your experience on the soccer side? Your life would just be so different, you know, like the camaraderie that comes with team sports, I assume is just so different than, you know, individual sports. And I think that even like in tennis and stuff and maybe golf, you hear they're on the same circuit and, you know, they travel all the same places, but ultimately you're competing against those people and you have friends and that sort of thing. But for me, I think one of the coolest parts about team sports is like getting all these different people to come together to win and being able to put everything else aside. We're done here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you're 10, maybe 12, you're on the train going into downtown Chicago. When did you realize you had it, that you could go far with hockey? 
Oh man. What? <laughs> to like my sophomore year in high school. Really? Okay. No, that's yeah. that's similar to me too, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I couldn't lift the puck, right? And I feel like lifting it, the puck is like a fundamental piece of like playing the game. And it would be like lifting the ball, right? Like if yeah. you can't lift the ball or place it where you want it to go or pass it the right way, like you don't have a great future in the game. That's Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I wasn't able to like consistently do that until I got to the high school level. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, this is great. And then you start getting sort of attention for your capabilities and stuff and you're being recruited for colleges and it kind of just changes a little bit. I find it interesting that you decided to go away to boarding school to make this decision about like your potential career without even knowing, Oh, like I might have what it takes to make it super far. Was it just like, Oh, I'm passionate about this. I want to make it this far. Like I want to get there, but I'm not sure if I can, or was it just, no, I'm going to, and I have what it takes. Yeah. It's such an interesting question. I don't know if I was just like naive and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And just not even feeling empowered necessarily to do it. Just was like, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to try and do it. I mean, that's a really good question. Yeah, because I feel like so many youth players like get discouraged at a young age because they might not be the best. And like for me, I definitely wasn't at all the best on my team. I was probably the most competitive. And I think my competitiveness is what fueled me to make it as far as I have. So do you feel like in high school is when you started to really dedicate yourself to like developing as a player, all those technical aspects. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would skate like seven days a week, which is kind of crazy now, like looking back, like, what was I thinking? But you just get so passionate about it and obsessed in it in a healthy way that you're just addicted to getting better and learning more. And it's just, you know, through any sport, when you get higher and higher, I feel like you're even more humbled and there's more humility involved to being like, wow, like I need to go learn that. So I think that's just what kept me hungry for more yeah. and coming back. No, I feel you on that. It's like, as you said, as you get better, you realize how much farther you have to go. So it just takes that much more. I find this fascinating because you were the youngest player ever on the U.S. senior national team in 2007. That was like your debut, right? Yeah. I don't, was I, I don't even know if I was <laughs> the youngest. Well, you were the youngest but, player at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you were what, 18? No, I think I was 17. I was okay, still 17. in high school. Yeah. But so yeah, yeah. you went from being like, oh yeah, like I like hockey and I don't know if I had it, but then you're on the national team. Like, how does that happen? I don't know, to be honest. I think there's always that disconnect when you want to make the jump and you don't know how you're going to make the jump or when you're going to make the jump. And you want a coach to be like, this is how you do it. And yeah. they kind of lay it out for you, but it's always one of these things like you're always being scouted and recruiting and you just want to try and, you know, get through the threshold to be in the player pool. And so my big break came from a under 22 series and they saw something there. And then from there, I went to the next level for the senior team. And I remember I didn't play very much for the first couple of years. And I remember saying to myself, you know what, like I have this, this, and this to work on and I'm going to come back here and I'm going to make sure the next time I'm in a U.S. jersey that I'm not just going to be sitting on the bench. Like I want to have an actual impact on the game, which is unfair to say because there's different ways to have an impact on the game. But I think I want to perform on the ice. You want to be out there. Yeah, yeah. So So you guys are set up similarly to how we are in soccer with youth teams, youth national teams, and then they feed into the senior mm -hmm. team. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we have like probably similarly the, the development camps and a lot of the times it's not really clear how you get all the way to the senior team but you just show up and continue to show up. And most times as you work your way up, it's invite only. And so as a young player, you aspire to get invited to that birth year of camp. The player development camps are kind of a process and instrumental piece to making it to the senior team. Otherwise they can maybe find you under a rock for the odd chance, but it's a tryout process throughout. Yeah. So I assume you got recruited or a coach saw you within that system playing in high school. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, it's the same for us. It's so funny. The way I made it to the national team is I was guest playing on a club team at a tournament that like playing up a year. I like randomly at the last minute decided to go. So it's just like sometimes you just no get, get lucky. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's how it works. Though, it's right? true. Just work hard, get lucky, something like that. Yes. <laughs> so your first time with the senior national team, Wisconsin head coach is the coach at the time of the senior national team. Yeah. Is that right? Or was he? Mm, it might have been the Harvard coach. Okay. So how did you end up at Wisconsin? 
oh man, I went on a visit there and I was like, let me sign now. Really? <laughs> what, what was the deciding factor? What got you there? It wasn't the parties. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just had a great time. And I knew that, and maybe this is from like having that like boarding school, small, like college kind of feel background. I didn't want to do that. And I really wanted to feel like a small fish in a bigger pond. And I knew like I needed to diversify my skill sets and learn from someone else. And a handful of the girls on the U.S. team were actually on the Badger team. So I was like, what a perfect opportunity to learn from the best. And then obviously it's a great school. It's a really good time. So <laughs> check, check, check. All right, let's go. Def it definitely wasn't the parties that got you there. No, no. Oh, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> how are they situated in terms of like national rankings? Number one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. you went to a powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I know like, you know, there's pros and cons to that. I just know, like, I love training under people who have like more jumps than I do and more experience on the game. I mean, that's a big motivator is sort of having that rabbit you can chase when you're that young. Totally. I feel you. Do you feel like you're like that for younger players on the national team now? Oh, like, man. do you go out of your way to try to be that person for the younger generation? I try not to be scary and try to be like accessible. Do people find you intimidating? Yeah. Like, do you get yeah. that? I think I have like one of those like resting biatch faces. I think I, think I do too. I, yeah. I constantly like I will meet somebody and it'll be a week or two weeks or a month later and they'll be like, oh, I was so scared of you. And I was like, why? I just, I think, yeah, it, that's funny. So you've gotten that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I try to be like super silly. I love to have a good time. And, you know, when the younger guys come in and you're just like, all right, like, here's your job. Like, you're not a rookie. Like, just get out there and do this. It's it's super daunting for them. So just try to be silly and not intimidating. But I think it just happens. But like, it's kind just, of a byproduct. <laughs> you just come off as intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Okay. So you show up at Wisconsin. You're a freshman. You've been in with the senior team. And... You clearly have a target on your back because your teammates are probably looking at you as like, oh, this is a hot shot out of high school, into college, into the number one program in the country at the time. And then you just crushed it. You smashed your freshman year. I have stats up here. That's ridiculous. Wisconsin's all-time leading in career goals, 143, career shots, 986, career game-winning goals, 30, power play goals, 37, hat tricks, 9, single season goals, 47, and total points, 262. Like... Did you expect that? Was that like your goal or were you just like, I just want to learn. I want to get better. And it sounds like you were probably the best player that's ever played at Wisconsin. No, I just want to play. I just want to play hockey. <laughs> I think I did have like sort of a chip on my shoulder and I joke around with one of my teammates now. She's like, man, I had this dream that you asked me to give up my number. She was 21. And that's like my number that I wear with the U.S. team. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Angie, like I would never do that. So Wait, this is at college. She had this dream. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, maybe I just didn't know like what I was capable at the time. And obviously playing with good players makes the job so much easier. And that's how you can put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah. But I just want to play hockey. Why do you think you had a chip on your shoulder? Did you go out there feeling like you had something to prove? Yeah. I think, you know, whenever you've got sort of a reputation or expectations or you were on the U.S. team, every time you step on the ice, like there's a standard. I'm sure you guys feel similarly or felt similarly. And, you know, there's always people that feel like they should be there. And you have to kind of be like, no, like, this is why I'm going to continue to go up here uh, with performance. And I also got cut when senior fall from the U.S. team. So senior like fall huge, of college or, sorry, or of freshman high school? fall. Freshman fall. Freshman fall. Oh, college, so that's yeah. so, okay. We're getting to the, we're yeah. getting down to the actual, so the, like, the what? real reason. Like, what, what's going on? Why'd you get cut? Yeah. I don't know. It's not like clear, I guess. And at the time we had kind of these like foggy expectations and little check boxes and stuff. But I went from second to last ranked in our player pool to ranked, I think a year later, like one. Imagine that they rank us in numbers. Yeah. So this is public information for the team. No, it's all internal. We don't do this anymore. That's what I'm like internal it, within the team. Like the coaches share it with players, or they just share like your individual ranking. Individual on the team ranking with just you. Yeah, just uh, you. So the coach was like, "Yo, you went from two to your last on my list. Yeah. That's why you're getting cut." 
And we had different coaches too, right? So the first time I'm on the team, I think the Harvard coach is our under-22 coach. And then that world championship in the spring is our Wisconsin coach, Mark Johnson. And then that following fall is a coach from like Ohio State or, you know, it just continues. So there's not a consistent coach? No, now we have one uh, because that was like feedback we gave. But at the time, they would kind of just rotate through this carousel of coaches. And so there'd be different expectations and it was really hard. But that seems almost impossible as a player. Yeah, it's tough. And and then there's also the pressure of you wanting to make it and edging out a spot. But then so fast forward to winter camp, which the player pool expands for that camp because it's a, a tryout again. I'm not even on the original list for that. And so I'm like, man. So that lit a fire in you. Yeah. Well, the fall did. And then I I was just like committed to working really hard to get back because I was embarrassed, right? Uh, You went from up here to down here. And, you know, if, you know, any athletes like super competitive. Yeah. And then unfortunately for my teammate, she ended up getting an injury. And then fortunately for me, I got to be the alternate for her spot. So I got to go to camp and then make the team again and then kind of, you know, been on that rotation since. That happened to me too. I didn't make the 2011 World Cup final roster and then Lynch Harper got, yeah, she got injured and I got called up like a week before we left to go, where was that? Germany, I think. So yeah, wild. Wow. So Yeah. yeah. Okay. So chip on your shoulder. That makes sense. I get that now. Yeah. Was it a technical thing? Do you think it was like a attitude thing? Like what, what do you think needed to change? Or do you just think you were like, I overall just need to get better? I think just overall. And I think it was like a focus thing too. I got yeah. more serious, like with my training and really following through on things that I needed to work on. Consistency. Yeah. Consistency also like cleaned up my personal life a little bit. Like I used to love partying and doing all that stuff. So, Well, not to focus on the partying, but yeah. what was the Wisconsin <laughs> hockey scene like? Because I went to Stanford and we didn't have a hockey team. And Wisconsin is also like a huge school. At what point in your college career, like I need to clean this up? First, what was yeah. it like? And then when did a light turn on and say, mm, you should probably reel it back in? <laughs> Major reel back in. No, between my freshman and sophomore year, I really respected the heck out of a handful of my US teammates and they kind of took me under their wing. And I was like, man, maybe I should train like that. Maybe I mm-hmm. should start eating like that. Maybe I should start doing pretty much everything that they do because clearly they know what they're doing. But yeah, I think you go from sort of this rookie mentality of just being naive and things kind of fall into place and being like, okay, no, like I actually need to like set up my future and set up my success. But it's not to say we don't still have a great time, but it was a little out of control when you're young. <laughs> Was the hockey team like big shots on campus? Were you guys? Yeah, I mean, I would describe like we're one of like the big six sports. Okay. If you were to put it down that way. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, so you, you fratted a little too hard your freshman year and you cleaned it up after that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just do stupid things. Like if you're trying to have a successful career, it's, it makes it a little bit harder. It works the opposite way. I agree. I can attest to that as well because I definitely had probably too much fun <laughs> in college for sure. So you have an amazing college career. You start to dial in, get focused, and you are about to come out of college and turn pro. And at the time, you graduate 2012, you're drafted fourth overall in the Canadian Women's Hockey League to the Boston Blades. Who was drafted one through three? Because I don't believe you were drafted fourth. I have no idea. Let me tell you about that draft process, though. I'm working like a hockey camp in the summer. Okay. And I get a text message being like, we're drafting you like first for our team. And I'm like, what, what is going on? Was it a random number? Did you even know the number? No, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't like, know like, what the draft you? was. Or... <laughs> this like... is following your senior year. Yeah, they're like, okay, sign these papers and then you need to tell us where you're living in Boston so we can submit it to the league so we can draft you. So it was kind of this smoke and mirror process where we had a draft, but you got to choose like where you're going. I'm still salty about it, clearly. You just needed Boston to be picking first and then you would have been <laughs> yeah, first overall. It definitely impacted my earnings for sure. Did it? No. <laughs> I was like, really? Well, so you get told that you need to have an address in Boston and you're going to Boston. So what does your life look like at this point coming out of college? And now you're like a professional hockey player. 
but what does that actually look like? Let me tell you, the reality was far different than what I thought it was going to be. You know, you're coming from like Wisconsin where you get to charter all over the country. You guys chartered? Oh yeah. Nobody told me that when I was looking at oh, schools. It was a luxurious yeah, you guys were You guys were big shots on campus for sure. <laughs> Two pairs of shoes? Okay, I'm going there. But uh, yeah, I mean, like our equipment budget was insane. We would just get all this stuff and it was awesome. It was like you were being treated like a pro in college. And then so I think I was just expecting that when I got out of college and I was in the process of trying to find an agent and navigate this new space and you know, find out that none of that really exists in the women's hockey space at the time. So you, on your own accord, were like, I need to go find an agent. Yeah, I was like, oh, like, I'm going to negotiate these, like, sponsorship deals. Like, I don't know, like, what I was thinking. But from the draft process to moving out to Boston to not understanding, like, I now have to plan out my own day. Like, I went from a program that was, like, Grey's Anatomy is Thursday at this time, and this is when we travel, you know, to, like... (laughs) okay, like there's nothing, figure it out. And I think too, like I was also highly encouraged to go to Boston because that's like where all of us US girls were training at the time. And then I packed up our family. I had this like beater of a Subaru 99 Outback. (laughs) Sounds awesome. It had a bumper sticker from when my mom played women's league that said she shoots, she scores on the bumper. <laughs> and Very I had fitting like, for what you're about to go do. Yeah. So anyways, I packed that car up and drove from Wisconsin to Massachusetts. By yourself or what? One of my teammates. Yeah. Okay. She uh, hopped in and we just went out there and moved everything in. I lived in this really tiny apartment that I thought was centrally located because I didn't really understand how big of a city Boston was and I wasn't near anything. I was going to say, so wait, where were you in Boston? Because I lived Quincy. in Boston one summer. I don't even know where that is. Quincy? Yeah, it's like south. Oh, okay. But I've lived like Quincy, Everett, Concord. I mean, you name it. I've been all over. Yeah. Yeah. That's the life, basically. constantly moving. So I read that you like had to give lessons to make ends meet, that you would go to restaurants during closing time to get free food. They were looking to throw away. Dunkin' Donuts, man. You what? (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was the restaurant that you went to to get free food. Coffee rolls. (laughs) So you following what your teammates learned to eat in college did not translate over to professional life no because like you go to college on your right? own. they've got the chef and they're like okay what type of stir fry you want that shrimp like whatever so and now i'm like oh man like i just spent all my money like doing this and i'm living off of like a shoestring budget now and uh you know i'm showing up at dunkin donuts and the guy's like we're about to throw away these like coffee rolls do you want them and then i just kept going back and living off peanut butter and jelly sandwiches i remember i called my mom like just bawling did you get pressure from your parents? Yeah, I had like a, I think like an insurance job maybe lined up to like live over some guy's garage or something. And I'm like, that's not the life I want. Like I want to like make a living playing women's hockey at the highest level and get paid to do that. So so that fueled you and kept you going because you were like, I know that this can be better than it is right now. Yeah. And I think like what fuels me now too, because we're so close, but we're still so far away in, in many ways. Um, is knowing that like the next girl that's graduating college, like I don't want her to go through what I went through. Like that was awful. Like totally mind you, like I had already gone through Olympic cycle. So this should have been like an easy transition, but it was very difficult. So hopefully we can change that in the near future. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a lot of what all the generations before us have put in the work and put in the time and the sacrifice and, and we still are, but it's, it's always in hopes that the next generation is going to look much different than what we're saying. So you come out of college, you're like the best of the best. You were drafted fourth overall. So you're just, (laughs) we'll just leave that there. But so how do you handle the juxtaposition of going from college, which is you get everything you need, you're chartering to, to having to survive off of peanut butter and jelly? Like you just make it work. Yeah. I think it's just like a, You know, it's sort of like a sheer like willpower, like an indomitable will kind of thing. Like, I'm going to make this work. And maybe it's just me being stubborn and all of us being stubborn. But, you know, too, I think outline our experience at the pro level. A lot of us were playing pro for the national team. Yeah. And we wanted to make 
the next Olympics. So that was like the big driving factor, I think, of, you know, showing up every day and doing the right thing. Yeah, that makes sense. That was where you were going to get better. And that's where you're going to get your touches. You, I mean, you had to if you wanted to be in the Olympics. Yes. Yeah. The biggest goal that you can have is gold medals. Yeah. But so I want to talk about Olympics. And I also want to talk about women's hockey culture. So I went and um, looked up a video on YouTube of you guys getting in fights with Canada before the I'm 2014 so scared Olympics. of what you've looked up on YouTube. <laughs> Every time I, know, I looked right? up on YouTube, I'm like, oh, when people no. are like, I've Googled you and you're like, I don't want to know. It's true. No, no, no. Only good things. I enjoyed it. Fighting obviously is a big thing in, in men's hockey. Yeah. It's not allowed in women's hockey. It's not allowed or it's not allowed? No, no it's not allowed. Really? Yeah. But you guys were yeah. going at it in this video. Oh, yeah. Because like, we just don't like each other. Yeah, no, I know. That's something <laughs> that we have in common that our team cannot stand the Canadian national team. And I feel like that we have that similar bond in like this hatred for Canada. We actually went out to the game outside Anaheim. I can't remember. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. One of the photographers, like it was the girls from the Canadian team and the girls from the U S team. And they're like, get together. And we're just like, no, no, (laughs) this is real. So hockey culture fighting is not allowed in women's hockey. Explain. Yeah. It's just not, But you guys got in a fight. Yep, in that yep. video. Tempers boil over and you'll see us fight. So th- I think that's what's kind of dangerous is when you do see us fight, like that is just like heated. Purely, yeah, emotion. Yeah. And then two, like our officials don't know what to do because they haven't necessarily received that type of training and they're not used to it, like night in and night out, like being like, okay, this is how I pull players back. So yeah, and I think, you know, the, sometimes they almost do a disservice because they'll hold one player and then the other player is just like throwing railings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting so, because this is something I think I know about hockey is that men's hockey, they let them fight, but as soon as like the gloves yeah. come off or what is it? What's the protocol there? Yeah, you're allowed to drop the gloves. Whoever drops them, it's like an instigating penalty, but it's definitely like a part of their game more so in terms of changing or shifting momentum and getting like, the home crowd behind them. Yeah. It's like, there's like strategy to it. It's not just emotion. Isn't there like a, there's the enforcer. Enforcer. Yeah. That's like their job. He's not even mad. He's just there to like change the game. Yeah. They're trying to get away from that model just because NHL has become more like skill based. So you used to have guys on the team. It was all physicality. Yeah. And they would just get out there and just pound some other guy's face in and be like, all right, good job. Give him a slap on the butt. And he'd be at the end of the bench until he needed him again, you know? But yeah, that used to be an actual role people would get paid money to do. Not even like hockey aside and some of them can play hockey totally so they just they recruited somebody from like mma and then put skates on them (laughs) yeah here you go but i'm just like man like this isn't a sport anymore yeah i don't really enjoy watching fighting like boxing that sort of thing but for some reason i find fights in hockey fascinating just because it's like we can't do that in soccer like you can't beat somebody and maybe because you have so many pads on and like that sort of thing yeah. That it's allowed, but yeah, I find that's part of the sport. Yeah. You know, I was scared about you brought that video up because I'm literally like choking on my mouth guard in the corner. People are like, why aren't you doing anything? <laughs> I wasn't going to comment on your specific <laughs> fighting abilities, but no, you, you, everybody well, looked like they were having a good time. Let's just say yeah. that. Well, our coach was like, she was so strict, right? And she's like, all right, go out there. And I'm like, coach, like, I don't play with those guys because it was like the twins and the the twins are like super like hardcore, tough as nails. Like you'd want to go to battle with those guys, super physical. And she's like, no, go out there, tell them green light. And I'm like, green light? (laughs) What? Is green light like like, green light to the fight? Yeah. She's like, you guys got to send a message. Because one of the Canadian girls absolutely dismantled one of our girls, like, dirty hit refs weren't doing anything so she sends me out there and then the twins are like looking over like why are you out on the ice like going into the face off i'm like green light green light. and did people know <laughs> green light meant like okay we're gonna fight no they're like what's going on and then sure enough they deck somebody and all of us are kind of i don't know like how far in the video you watch all of us are like oh my god so I'm going to respond here. Okay, no. And then it goes down this end, and it goes down this end, and then it goes back. And then like the smallest players in front of that. And I'm just like, yes, I got her. <laughs> Green light. 
<laughs> yeah, and then kind of just started it. I mean, she barely touched our goalie. And yeah, um, yeah. that's what the commentators were saying. Yeah. That you were looking out for your goalie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so you're 5'11", and you, I guess, somewhere talked about putting on 15 pounds post-college. Mm-hmm. Physicality is obviously important, but like, this is, might sound like a stupid question, but would you rather be shorter in hockey because you're closer to the ice or would you rather be bigger? Technically, I guess like the low center of gravity would be helpful for yeah. like, getting hits, but you know, I, I prefer being bigger. True. It just like affords you a different way to like inject your skill set into the game. Yeah. And then too, like the longer the reach or the bigger my body, like I can protect the puck like other people can't or True. do like things. And especially from like the woman's standpoint, a lot of the equipment's made for the guys. So the more like you resemble a, a guy's stature and you're going to be able to use not all the technology that goes in the equipment. That's super so, interesting. And yeah. was the putting on pounds after college, was that intentional in the sense of like, I'm going to be competing with women that are more experienced and like probably more muscular and physical than I am. Therefore, like I need to, to gain an advantage because I left college and my college coach told me after my senior season he met with me and he was like great season you know but i just really want you to be drinking two muscle milks a day because you need to put on a lot of pounds like you need to put on weight and i was like okay and so i just chugged (laughs) muscle milk but but so was that like intentional you knew that you needed that to be able to compete no you know we had a similar conversation and they're just like we want you to be like bigger and you know do this i was like okay like i'll go put on this weight but it was definitely brought up by like our staff and then i was like come in and I'm like, okay, like I got to go do this. And then two, just because I am bigger than a lot of the other women on the ice, having that amount of weight, like in front of the net, no one can move me. So it's a huge like performance advantage and you kind of just sink in. Yes. You just (laughs) own the (laughs) crease. Yeah. Yeah. But also too, like the way in my style of the game, like I'm not the fastest and I'm able to cover the ice in a different way than some of the other women. And I don't have to move necessarily as much to take up space. So Cause you're more find, powerful. Like you can just cover the space because you said um, you're not as fast, but like you just, yeah. you still can, you figured out a way to, to be able to make it work. Yeah. I think it's, it's more so like timing too, but you know, obviously there are so many great players, but yeah, in a perfect world, I mean, having size is definitely an advantage. I mean, I would say that in soccer as well, but then you see like the smaller players are super crafty. So I assume it's kind of like the same as mm-hmm. that in hockey. Okay. Last hockey random question. Are all your teeth real? Like, did you, have you lost any teeth? <laughs> yeah, all, I would, teeth are real. <laughs> all your teeth are real. That's not a bad question though. Right? I get that question all the time. I mean, it's probably going to happen. Like, I know. I hope it didn't just jinx you that would be no terrible. it's fine like i'm rollerblading now and i'm like i know the f- two front teeth are just gonna eat the pavement my biggest injury is i bit through my cheek but it wasn't even playing hockey like i was playing broom ball all the way through yeah i had two holes oh my god oh yeah i waited for that plastic surgeon to get back in there to stitch it up nicely <laughs> it's important it's funny how many people like athletes have probably had the conversation of like do you want us to stitch you up now or do you want to wait for the plastic surgeon and hopefully yeah. everybody, when it's face involved, it's, it's the answer is plastic surgeon for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, But no, um, I'm lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So moving on to Olympics. So Canada won in 2010 and 2014. And you lost to them in the finals. Way to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I'm pouring salt <laughs> in the wound right now. Trust me. I know. Was that like just motivation to keep going and to keep getting better. And you're like, at some point I I've got to win a gold medal. Yeah. I think it's just like you go through everything and you think about like everything on a small level and then larger picture and like the vision of where you want to go. And you come up like just that short. And I think Vancouver, like all of us were so young. We're like, yeah, the Olympics. And then we're like, we're going to come back. And then you kind of look around the room and you're like, man, like, Whoever said they were coming back, like not all of us came back. Like, well, you know, and you let that sink in. You go through that next quadrennial cycle and we're at Sochi and we're winning the game. We have like, what, five or four minutes left in the game. We're up to nothing. I remember this. And then you lose. How do you lose? How do you lose like that? So the way that it just like slipped through our fingers, it was like, man, like we got to do something and it's got to be different. So what was different about 2018? 
Yeah. I mean, we really had a lot of like self-reflection, focus on our culture. We tasked ourselves with winning the third period because that was the period we kept, I guess, losing at the time statistically. I didn't know that. It didn't feel that way. Isn't it but, interesting um, when somebody brings up stats like that where you're like, yeah. Oh, and then it, and the fact that you just even are aware of something that the fans have no idea or are not clued into, but then that affects how you play. Mm-hmm. It really can change the outcome and like the results and the success. Yeah. Going to Sochi, I'm like looking back, I'm like, man, I checked this box. Like I did everything, right? When you were like like, at the village and stuff? Oh no. You just like think back and you're like, what could I have done differently? Oh, okay. okay, And you're like, I I did everything, you know? And then you think about it more. You're like, okay, wait, maybe it's not an individual thing. Maybe it's all of us collectively not showing up at the same time. And then how do we manage that momentum shift? But Talking to some of the Canadian girls, they're like, yeah, we kept looking over and you guys kept looking up at the clock. I'm like, what? We did? And we were just trying to like eat away at the time. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things like don't play to lose. And sure enough, like that's, that's what happens. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, it really forced us to have a healthy look in the mirror and change some things. For sure. And so you come back and you win 2018 in a shootout. It's the first gold medal since 1998 for the U.S. team. What was that like? It was crazy. I like couldn't sleep for days. <laughs> <laughs> so hyped on adrenaline, so excited, yeah. just like riding on top of the world. Yeah, I'm sure you know how it is. You show up for that NBC interview afterwards and you're just like, you know, what do you need? And you're just like, McDonald's, give me something. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but the way that that game unfolded, I mean, I watched it for the first time a few weeks ago. I didn't realize like that's how the game went. Isn't that um, funny how you like, yeah. you're in it. I mean, you could, sometimes I can. And then other times I'm like, no, I just blacked out and like was just playing off of pure memory. And yeah, it's, was it's it, just wild. Was it fun to watch it back again? It was stressful. I'm like, I was about to say, did you get nervous? <laughs> I was so nervous. I was sweating. And then I was like, you know, FaceTiming a couple of my teammates. And I'm like, guys, like, what were we thinking? <laughs> yeah. I watched one of our games from France last year and I was nervous. And it's like, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to win, you know? Right. Yeah. It was cool watching guys in France, by the way. Oh, thanks. That was, was it was sick. Yeah. It was very special and it was very exciting. And I still sometimes I'm like, I can't believe we won back to back, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. So Mm -hmm. you have the CWHL, you have the NWHL, some fold, some come back in throughout 2010 through now, 2020. You guys chose to walk away from both and create this Players Association. I feel like a lot of people need some context, some information, like walk us through that. How did that happen? What did that look like? What is it looking like now? Yeah, just how did that come about? Yeah, well, it's so complicated. I I feel badly for someone who just like scratches the surface level of the woman's pro scene just because it's like all convoluted and it's all over the place and you don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes and that that like the the casual fan isn't aware of. Yeah, there's a lot of unpacking to do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think like plain and simple, like we were playing in, some of us were in the CWHL and then the more... Actually, all of us were in the C-Dub. Majority of us went to the N-Dub that were U.S.-based. And you had this divide between the two leagues. And, you know, the N-Dub was this promising, shiny thing that was supposed to take us into the future of, you know, the landscape of pro women's hockey. And then personally for me, I was like, this isn't going anywhere. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I was like, you know, one of the leaders in getting people into the league and, and doing like the media tour for it and, and the heavy lifting of not launching this thing, but getting fans to it. Right. And it was so promising. And, you know, going through like a year one, you're like, okay, like it's technically a startup. So we're just going to just brush things under the rug. Yeah. Or, yeah like, yeah, you like, know, let's not tell the fans we want them to be involved because every fan's a good fan and whatnot. And then year two, it's like same issues and you're not getting paid and you're just like, wait a second, what's going on here. And so I just kind of was like, you know what, like I'm done with this. So I went back up to the CWHL, which had loads of issues in itself, but mm-hmm. competition wise, I felt like it was the best to prepare me for the U S schedule and a couple of my teammates came up too for different teams and we had a great year and then it folded like as we were taking the plane to world championships in finland we're just wow like, what? you're on a plane you find out that it's folded 
we have morning practice and then we're going to get on the plane. And right before we're taking the bus to go to morning skate, like it just folds. It's like, yeah, we just thought it was the best interest and blah, 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 you know, bye. How, so how defeating like, oh. is that? Awful. You know, yeah. it's into like, I know like a lot of us were actually going to play in the CWHL the following year and get like all the top talent there and just kind of make a transition like easier in a way of like playing and yeah it folded so then this has never been done before but we then have a sort of a, a meeting the u.s and the canadian girls and we figure out like okay who's coming together yeah you know oh, so cute <laughs> harmonizing yeah yeah right before the tournament starts and we're like how are we going to deal with this like what are we going to do so we kind of had a quick brainstorm and then we're like all right let's put a pin in it this date we'll meet back up we'll talk about it and then that was sort of the impetus of the pwhpa starting and people are like oh yeah like you know how do you guys do this i'm like no 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 like that's part of my job. We created it. Like we planned the events. We found the people to help us, you know, run the doors or the volunteers that help do the things with the team. And we kind of had to piece that together in less than six months. That's incredible. I have so much respect for you because I like, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's just, people don't understand. People have no idea mm-hmm. that like you are literally, in my mind, the best women's hockey player in the world and you're piecing together how you're going to get just playing time. Yeah. We had to put together like models of what we thought we could create and budgets. And I'm just like, how do I do this Google Doc? <laughs> you know, and I'm learning, which is great because they're practical skills. But, totally. you know, if you're thinking about like, competing and training and all these things that you see the guys have on TV, that's taking away from time of performing. So it's definitely, it's bittersweet, I guess. Yeah. That's the way to put it. For sure. Were people tentative? Did people, were people like, oh yeah, no, we're doing this. Like we're all in. Was this a, you had to put your arms on people and be like, come with me. Like, we're going to figure this out. How did that play out? Yeah. I'd say like anyone from the national team program was like, yeah, I'm game. Like, this is what we're doing. This is our only opportunity. And, you know, through that, I think it forced us to kind of collaborate and understand people outside of the U.S.-Canada rivalry. Mm-hmm. And then there are a handful of players who are like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you kind of have to, like, handhold and educate them on kind of what the future should look like. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people don't understand, like, if they can't see it right now, you kind of have to build that vision for them so they feel a part of it. And, you know, fortunately, we were lucky that... Once you explain kind of what was going on and what we're trying to do, people are like, okay, yeah, like I want to I be a want part that. of that. Yeah. yeah. And then we were in a position where we had so many players. It's like, oh my gosh, like how do, how do we Now I have know, to take care of all these people yeah. and, like, and, and follow through on these big ideas that we had. Yeah. Yeah. So and you think like insurance, you're like, how do I get insurance? For I know it blew my mind that <laughs> you guys didn't even in, it was either CW, C-dub, the C-dub. Or the end up, yeah. look at me, I'm getting the lingo <laughs> down, that health insurance wasn't provided. Like that just, I, what happened if you got hurt? Well, that's the thing is it was more of like a, a secondary policy. So if I'm someone who's not affiliated with the national team, so I don't have that insurance coverage and I'm working my job, my job's going to have to cover and hopefully they cover sports related injuries. And I mean, that's like sort of like a basic principle when you start a pro league, right? Like you want to make sure that you have the fundamentals to support your players. And I almost think like healthcare is more important in some aspects than the salary. I mean, yeah, if you get hurt and you're basically SOL like yeah it's crazy it was me yeah and I remember getting hit with like an x-ray bill I'm like what (laughs) like what is this you don't realize how expensive those are until you're yeah left to pay for it and that's what's different too and and Canada's got a different healthcare system so figuring out sort of the nuances between the borders Mm, and like a bank account up there versus one down here and you guys have to figure out like international wires and stuff yeah. you know all oh, that yeah and we're like who's gonna pay for the ice and like how is this working and you know if we receive a donation you know forming a 501 3c or whatever and what that form looks like in canada i have no idea fortunately like we had ballard and spar team help us out who helped us with our boycott and we got that nod from Fowdy and the 99ers from your guys' group to even make the connection with them from yeah. the, the start. So, but yeah, the rest is kind of history. Are you guys calling it the P-Dub, P-Dub. Yet? Yeah. <laughs> what would you say the goal of the P-Dub is? It was just like one of these logos that was already around. So we're like, yeah, perfect. 
check. Let's get that. Yeah. But no, I mean, we're, we're really searching and trying to build and establish a sustainable future for the sport. And people are like, well, what does sustainable mean? It's like, well, making sure the next generation has um, ample opportunity to play at this level and all the resources surrounding that for her to succeed and, you know, a growth model and just like little practical things that any business would need to have in order to grow and to be a business, to be honest. So, you know, I think we're doing a good job. We had a really, really successful year one, which is shocking. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Like, how do we do that? But yeah, we're really looking forward to next year. And dude, I'm so proud of you. That's like, <laughs> it, I mean, I can't imagine, obviously I've, you know, have had struggles and issues and had to deal with a lot of different things off the field, but just the fact that you guys are like owning it and just taking your future into your own hands is basically what women's sports is. I feel like a lot of times yep. and a lot of entrepreneurs. Totally. And that's awesome. I really want to come to a game. Yeah. I mean, we'd love to have you at a game. It's going to be cool. So it'd be sweet. So before we wrap up, cause I know we've been here for a while. So thank you for the time. We could chat forever. Um, hard work versus luck. How much of your success is predicated on luck? That's such a tough question. Right. <laughs> I know. I was like both. That was my answer, but yeah, I think it is a little bit of both. I mean, you obviously have to create an environment for yourself where you can succeed. And I truly believe that you're only successful as the people you surround yourself with. And that's a big indicator of where you're going to go and what you're trying to do. And you need to have that support system. But two, like, it's one of those things where someone gets injured and you get to go play, you know, and that's not something you control. But to be ready for the opportunity is the the control piece in it. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably send it with you and say it's a little bit of both. For sure. It's all about being ready. Like you could get yeah. lucky and then not be ready. So, and then this is it. <laughs> Where do you want to go next? And how do you get there? Oh man. And how do you keep pushing? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd say on my short bucket list, having a viable, sustainable professional league for women's ice hockey and, you know, now I'm going to kind of bump the other one above that and say, you know, I, I want to be a part of another gold medal winning team just Hell because yeah. that was so special. Totally. <laughs> and you're just like addicted to that, right? Like, it's so know, true. It, yeah. When people ask me, I'm like, yeah, I want to win another World Cup. I want to win another gold medal. And I think people are like, well, you already have one. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. you can never have enough, you it's know? not enough. <laughs> I know someone's like, yeah, you're like, you have like this many and this many. And what motivates you? I was like, winning. Like what else? <laughs> Literally winning. I want to win tomorrow. I want to win today. Yeah. And yeah, totally. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. This has been awesome. I have loved talking to you. I can't wait to watch you play in person. And I can't wait to see what you guys do with the P-Dub. The P-Dub. And I'm yeah, proud of you. you. And just keep pushing and keep fighting. And just, we create our future. So you're doing that. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, leading the march, though. We follow a lot of you guys, so... We got each other's backs. We're in this together, so it's all good. Yep. <laughs> all right, thanks, Hillary. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also, don't forget to sign up for the Just Women Sports newsletter. It's everything you need to see and know in women's sports delivered straight to your inbox. And while you're at it, also throw us a follow on social. It's at Just Women Sports. Our show is co-produced by Just Women Sports and Boom Integrated, a division of John Marshall Media. Big thanks to our executive producers, Haley Rosen, Adrian Glover, and Robin Live. John Murray and Sydney Shaw do our research. Post-production is by Jen Grossman and Clint Rhodes. Special thanks to Jesse Louie, Sarah Storm, and Haley Kottmeyer. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and you've been listening to the Just Women Sports Podcast. See you next week.